Hey, Fellowship Asheville, welcome to our ConvoCast. We are in season two of our ConvoCast, where we are introducing you to the deacons and staff. Um, and today I have one of our deacons of finance, Lee Scott, with us. So uh, Lee, uh, introduce yourself to, to, our, to those who are watching and listening. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, Fellowship. So I'm Lee Scott. Um, my wife, Brooke, and myself have been going to fellowship now for about five years. Um, I work at the Biltmore State here in Asheville. Um, I'm the treasurer and vice president of finance and technology. So I've worked at Biltmore for going on about 20 years now. Have you really? Did you start yeah. when you were 10? Yes, yes. Yeah, I was very yeah that's young. great. <laughs> I was very young. And, um, and my wife, Brooke, is a high school teacher at A.C. Reynolds High School. She teaches 10th grade English. And we have a two and a half year old son named Brayden who is full of life and keeps us on our toes um, in many ways, especially in the last 12 months or so during this yeah. crazy time that we're living in. Yes, nothing like having a toddler and a two-year-old in a pandemic, I would imagine. It's been fun. Yeah. 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 My wife and I were talking about our, you know, our kids are older. One is in college and Luke is 17. And, and we were like, gosh, if we had little kids during this time, it would be like a different kind of awful, I think. It's definitely been a challenge. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, one of the things we figured out, which I, I wish we would have figured out a while ago, um, is in, in watching church, we've been trying to watch when we can, but having a two and a half year old running around, it gets hard. So yeah. we have started turning on certain cartoons for him to watch during the service. And in the last same month or so, it's helped us quite a bit to be, uh, able, bet. To be able to absorb and understand yes. what's yes. going on. I bet, I bet. Yeah, the art of distraction is a good parenting technique. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's great. Well, Lee, what is something um, that most people don't know about you? You know, like like uh, it, it, when they first kind of get to know you, what's something that, that, that might surprise them? Um, you know, I think one thing that is just kind of interesting about my personality is I've, I've done some good study on the Enneagram. And uh, oh, what are you? I'm a type five, so I'm an observer. So oh. I'm very quiet. Um, and I wouldn't say completely shy, but at, at first I can definitely be a little shy. Um, I'm, I'm very much a deep thinker. So uh -huh. I, I process things. Hence, one reason why I think I was a good fit for finance deacon mm -hmm. uh, is kind of deep analytical thinking. Um, yes, praise Jesus for that. Yes, because so, I don't, I don't. Whatever the opposite of a five yeah. is, I'm probably that. <laughs> so I tend to be quiet and reserved. Yeah. Um, What's you your know, wing? Um, I think my wing is um, probably more towards a one, which could kind of be um, probably a little more of a perfectionist. The perfectionist, uh -huh. oriented. Yeah, I know that's where my stronger side is. Okay, nice. Yeah, I am an eight with a seven wing. So I am the, um, I forget what their word for eight is. Um, you read the description and you think, oh, they're the jerk. That's what they are, um, which they can be. An unhealthy eight is, is, is a too, jerk. Though, because people think because I'm very quiet, I'm kind of. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're kind of snobby. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of goes different ways. Yeah, yeah. So I'm an eight with a seven wing, which is the the fun 
side of things. So, um, uh, and, and it's interesting because when I was doing the Enneagram stuff and trying to figure it out, like when I read the descriptions and I read the book that Ian Morgan Cron's book, The Road Back to You, um, and uh, as, as I was reading about an eight, I was like, oh, that's, you know, I knew I was kind of seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that area. And what's interesting with you being a five, like that, that five and six is the stuff, the, the ones that I know the least about. Like I read those and went, nope, move on. Like I didn't even, didn't, didn't and often that's what, you know, sometimes people have a hard time kind of associating with that. And you don't mm-hmm. come across a lot of fives. A six is more of a hard skeptic. I'm not as much of a skeptic. Okay. Pretty optimistic. Okay. Okay. You know, but to, to me, it's been helpful to understand who I am and, yeah. and kind of get more comfortable with some of the things that, you know, come with my personality. So it, yeah. it, it's been very helpful. Yeah, it, it is. It, and, and that's the whole point, I think, of the Enneagram is that it's just a tool. It's helpful. Like even in the in the beginning of the book, Ian Morgan Cron says, you know, some personality assessments um, uh, gosh, what, what was his quote? It's something like, um, no personality assessment is perfect and, and some are helpful. Yeah, and exactly. the Enneagram is helpful. Yeah. No models are perfect. Some are helpful. You know, yeah. like a projection is kind right. of that way too. So, right. Um, right. But, you know, I, I do work in the finance world and, uh, you know, that kind of, kind of fits well with my detail oriented and, and kind of analytical thinking. So absolutely. So like, okay. Okay. So I got a question. I got a question. Yeah, and then, then come back. So do you ever come home and what, what's Brooke on the Enneagram? Brooke is a three. She's a three. Okay. She's a performer. So yeah. Yeah. So do you ever come home and tell her like, babe, I got to tell you, I saw the most exciting spreadsheet today. <laughs> like, is that I'm ever? That. <laughs> okay, I don't just, normally do that. Okay. It, it, it is interesting. One thing that is interesting with us is like, you know, our our need of time um, and, and almost love languages, so to say, yeah. is very different. And um, that was one thing in our relationship, especially as, as we got married, we really had to learn like, I need quietness and time to process. Mm-hmm. Brooke needs to be able to speak and talk about what's going on and really kind of you know move things out so that's uh-huh. you know both of us understanding that about each other has been very oh, helpful you that's know, a relationship and, changing yep and i mean you know we went through re-engage about three years ago and mm-hmm. kind of going through that process was really good for us to kind of help kind of keep understanding each other and it continues to evolve each day but yeah yeah yeah, that's great. Well, how did you, thanks for sharing that. Of all the interviews, I think you're the first one that we've talked about the Enneagram, which is interesting. I figure it would have Probably come up by now. Time, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, yeah. uh-uh. but it is a, such a, a well-known personality assessment. Um, so how did you come to know Christ? Well, before I talk about how I came to know yeah. Christ, let me say one other thing that most okay. people don't know about me because it's okay. because I okay. was talking about my wife. Um, so we've been married going on six years it'll be six years this summer so um i met brooke when i was 10 and she was five some people know this but our mothers worked together um they were both school teachers so we met Uh in 1990 um we didn't get married until 2015 so wow so 25 years later you know 
you know, we got married and we had connected, you know, about, a, I guess, a year and a half before that. So that's kind of an interesting story. That is. Like, do you remember? A lot of folks don't know about us is that we actually knew each other when we were younger. Yeah. We didn't live life and went our separate ways for a long time. And then we reconnected and, you know, here we are today. So do you remember her when she was five? Oh, yeah. oh really? I don't remember. <laughs> and she remembered me too. But, oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's fun. I don't. Not too many couples can say that. That that's that that's pretty cool. Okay, well, then how did you how did you come to know Christ? Well, um, you know, I grew up in the church. Um, you know, both of my parents were very active um, in a sort of medium-sized Baptist church. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was a Sunday school teacher. My dad was the guy that you know I, I wouldn't say he was always deep in his his Bible, but he was the guy that was always there doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, so I spent a lot of time um, around church growing up, and it was important to our family. You know, at a young age, I accepted Christ um, as my Savior and mm-hmm. always kind of kept that close. And, you know, even as I got older, um, you know, through college and into early adulthood, that was very important to me. You know, I Did was you go to church I, through college? Like, were you connected with the church when you went yeah. to college? No, yeah, really. I was relatively That's connected. I mean, I, I wasn't connected to a, a, a church and, you know, where I was going to school, but mm-hmm. at, at home, I, I, I still stay connected. And then um, in my mid 20s, I, I had a group of friends that we went to church a lot pretty regularly and um, kind of really started to kind of almost kind of reawaken um, mm. my spiritual. Um, needs at that point in time and you know really kind of start to understand what they were not just kind of sort of have them ingrained you know Mm -hmm. in myself um but i would say i really spent a lot of time just kind of wandering um you know really until i met brooke and um you know christ was always close to me but i I was focused on some other things you know with myself as Mm -hmm. many of us do yeah you know once brooke and i met um a lot of those things really clicked and we've really worked hard to kind of grow together. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one of the things with COVID that's been so hard is, you know, continuing to kind of move towards Christ in the way that we feel like we should in this weird kind of isolated community. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's really tested us, but at the same time, I think in some ways it's challenged us in a good way um, as well. And, you know, hopefully as we start coming out of this sooner than later, I think we've done some things to really position ourselves in a good place. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And that's a great word to use this season is it really is a test and a test, you know, in James, it says, you know, you'll go through trials and when you do consider it pure joy because of what it produces, that it produces perseverance and endurance. And, and like, that's what a test is, is it kind of shows you where there's, where there's cracks in the foundation. And, and how to shore those up <clears throat> so that when you come out of the test and you come out of the trial, you're better for it and not worse. And so, mm-hmm. so yeah, so I, I, I love to hear that you and Brooke feel uh, better equipped coming out of this than you did before. Um, better position. That's, that's, that's well, good. You know, to, to me, you know, some of the biggest learning experiences in life have been the hardest times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll be honest, has this year been the hardest year, you know, maybe not at one, any given time, 
Mm-hmm. Cumulatively, maybe yes. I mean, you know, yeah. it, it just it seems to keep going. But we've also been extremely blessed, um, you know, in the last year too. Um, so, you know, being open to, you know, God and kind of understanding how He's working and moving in our lives. And, you know, I'll be honest. Um, you know, we'll probably look back in twenty years of this period of time and actually have some good memories. Yeah. Like, hey, remember when I went for a walk and the sky looked so blue and I could hear the water in the stream? You know, things that we don't normally think about that, that we yeah. were able to stop and enjoy. You know, I think we'll reflect on one day. Yeah, I do too. I think I think there'll be um, when we look back on this time, we're going to miss the pace of it in many ways. Even though we've all been working really hard, it's been at a different pace. To where you know, you, as you work from home, you've been able to go for a walk with your son and. Um, and before 2020, as you were working in the office, I don't know, are you full-time back at the office yeah, or did they let you flex? In the office now. Okay. You know, like you don't get that opportunity to go for, you don't get that opportunity to wake him up from his nap and, and all that stuff. And so, so I bet you're right. There'll be things that we look back on and we miss during this. Uh, now that I think there'll be things we look back on and don't miss, but I think there'll be yeah, some absolutely. things that we definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've stepped into this role of deacon in, in finances and thank you for sharing all this, all this too. It's really cool. Um, I'm, as you, as you know, we, we started uh, deacons. Well, we started them really during the pandemic. We started the process before um, and then everything shut down and, and we still move forward with, with having deacons and, and getting those, those roles established. And so, we have three deacons of finance. Well, two now. We have you and John Perry, and then Ryan Smart uh, uh, was a deacon of finance, but he's moved to Kansas City because of his work. Um, we're still holding out hope that he'll be back here in a couple of years, but but we'll 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 let God to handle the future. Um, and so this this role of uh, deacon of finance is kind of a new role. Um, y'all kind of forging the way in, into what this looks like. I'm curious though. Um, from, from your perspective of what made you say yes to being a deacon? Well, you know, Fred, I can kind of turn back, you know, you know, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember the first time we talked about this Uh um, and it was before the world kind of flipped upside down, but I ran into you at Target and, um, Hey, you, you know, you mentioned, Hey, you know, we're, you know, we're thinking about looking at some deacons of finance and, you know, you just asked me to think about it. And I was like, wow, that's uh-huh. kind of interesting. And, and th- that, that was how the concept first came up. Uh-huh. Like, how awesome is that, that, that conversation? And as we kind of went a little farther, you know, we talked about it. And one of the things we talked about was, you know, how can we use our kind of talents and gifts to sort of serve God's community and help it to really kind of grow and prosper? And that was something I really thought hard about, you know, quite a bit. And you know, I think back kind of the point that I was making about my dad, uh, you know, growing up is he, he was always very present at church and he kind of plugged in the gaps and kind of did things based off of what his skill sets were. It might not have been teaching, you know, it might not have been singing in the choir. And I kind of thought about, you know, what are things that I can do to kind of help God's community in the greater good? And, you know, whether I like it or not, I have this gift of being analytic and um, knowing numbers and being able to take that and, and kind of help the church and help the elder team and you, Fred, and the, you know, the, the administrative staff team to, to be able to give some guidance and wisdom, it really made a lot of sense to me. So 
that was kind of what drove me, you know, to saying yes, was like mm-hmm. thinking about how can I help and, you know, how can I take the talents that I have to help serve God and, um, you know, grow his community? Well, I, I, I sure do appreciate your gifting um, because it is so vastly different than mine. Like I understand budgets and Excel spreadsheets, and, and, but I don't geek out over them. I mean, I, I look at the, the profit and loss statement and I am like bullet pointing in my mind. Okay, I want to know income. I want to know expenses. I want to scroll through real quick and see if anything's way out of line. Done. You know, like, like I, I, but to, to have somebody gifted to be able to dive deep into that stuff and to be able to look for trends and, and to be able to ask questions that I don't even know to ask is so helpful to us uh, and to the elders. And for those of you who are listening, the, the, the question popped into my head that you might be asking is, what do the deacons of finance do? And so just to kind of put a frame around that, um, in a general sense, they're there as advisors. Um, they, the, you know, the, the, the deacons of finance don't really make any decisions about our money. They don't make uh, any directives with our money. They're there to, to advise us on where we are, where we're going, what trends they're seeing. And if we have something specific in mind, they're there to give us um, wisdom on, and, uh, and good stewardship and, uh, on those lines. And then to, to kind of dig through the numbers. Um, and then once we start meeting in person on a more regular basis with a larger, uh, a larger congregation present, they're also there to collect the offering on Sundays um, to, out of the, the boxes on the wall and all that stuff. So, but that part we haven't even really uh, gotten to do yet because um, we've been in the pandemic. And even though we've been meeting in person, um, most people are giving online at this point. And so it's really not uh, a good use of volunteer time and energy to schedule someone to collect the offering. Like last week when we did it, there was like one check in there because everybody's given online. So, so, but one day I think that'll, that'll come back. Um, well, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. I think, I think talking about gifting and, and talents and, and passions is very important when trying to figure out where to, um, where to serve and, and where to, to serve in the church. Well, l- let me ask you this about being a deacon of finance. How have you seen God move in this ministry? Or what have you seen God do uh, while you've been a deacon of finance? Well, you know, I mean, you know, I think from the church standpoint, you know, really, you know, I'm going to say probably back to maybe May of last year, once we kind of started getting more heavily involved and kind of, uh-huh. you know, digging in is, you know, it's, it's really amazing how God has blessed the church financially. Um, and, you know, in this tough economic time, which maybe isn't like a true economic recession, but it's definitely different. Um, you know, you know, we have been able to get um, good ties and offerings continue to come in. We've been able to kind of tackle some, some projects and things to, to help the facility better and also help make everything better for when we do return. Um, you know, you know, the picture could have been a lot different and we probably thought it would be a lot different, you know, know, probably in April of last year. And I think it's just another testament, you know, of, of God's love and blessing upon us, Um, you know, and sometimes we have to be patient for it to work out, but, you know, so far we have fared really well. And, you know, I think that's really one of the biggest, you know, you know, things that stuck out to me. And, you know, that might not be something that resonates for everyone, but, you know, last March and April was an unbelievably scary time for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And to be where we are today, it, it's, it's just amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's just a great blessing from the Lord. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> As you think about being a deacon of finance and, and, and maybe looking to the future of this a little bit, what would you love to see happen in this ministry? You know, one of the things I've really kind of enjoyed, in, you know, in the process through our meetings in the last eight or nine months is interweaving with the other ministries that are very important, you know, to the church, you know, like prayer team and, you know, facilities and things like that. And really kind of getting an understanding, you know, of, of, of some of the other things that are going on and, you know, seeing how these different parts of the deacon ministry are almost really a part of the bigger wheel um, of the serve nature that Fellowship Asheville has. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I've really enjoyed kind of um, getting to understand that. And I think as we continue to build the deacon ministry, I think that's a big focus is, you know, from a finance side, how do we use some of these financial resources to really help drive prayer or building maintenance or care teams and things like that? That's great. That's great. Um, let's see. One more question is a question that I've been asking everyone is, uh, how would you describe Fellowship Asheville in one word? It can be a hyphenated word, and I will allow up to three if it's a phrase. Hmm. <laughs> see how this has evolved as people have asked me questions about the one word thing. So how would you describe fellowship? You know, I would really say, um, you know, one thing that sticks out to me is love. Um, hmm. You know, and this is going to sound weird that I, I, I feel it a lot, you know, even though we physically have not been in the building in a year. Yeah. Um, you know, I still feel it a lot. And that's something that's been very important to me, um, you know, in the last year um, is the love and community that our church has. Um, you know, I miss seeing a lot of people um, and there's a lot of people that we still don't know. So that's been kind of, you know, hard to have this, you know, separation, but to continue to feel the love um, from the church in the past year is amazing. And example I'll use, um, back in November, we were at home for two weeks with a quarantine period. We didn't have COVID, but we had to go through quarantine. Mm -hmm. And luckily Brooke and I were able to get back into the real world. Um, and Brooke sent me the email from Mondays with Miss Megan and she was like, hey, why don't you and Braden get on this? And we got on it. He had a good time. I think I had more fun than he did. <laughs> and um, like, to me, that's a perfect example of the way that the church is loving um, yeah. on its members. So we've been home a few more times, unfortunately, in the last couple of months, and we've been able to do it. And, you know, we get the things in the mail. Mm -hmm. And um, February 1st, we got the prayer for February. And it was... Uh, it was a prayer that was really helpful mm. for us. So, mm. you know, to me, I think the love that the church shows is um, just immense, you know, given this kind of challenging time. That's great. Well, Lee, thanks for your time. Thanks yeah, for this. You. Um, you are a joy. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you're deacon. I'm glad you're at fellowship. Um, I'm glad God made you just the way he did. So, so thanks.
and yeah yeah and for those of you who are watching or, or, or listening if you are watching on youtube go ahead and click subscribe uh the more subscribers we have the from what i understand we're able to get a specific url for fellowship asheville i think we have to have 100 subscribers that's what i heard i don't know if it's true or not but i do know it helps if you subscribe so if you haven't yet when you subscribe it'll also allow you to get notifications of when these come out they come out every other week at this point so uh y'all thank you for being you thank you for being fellowship asheville and for what god is doing in and through this church i love y'all <clears throat> and i do love being the church with you so i'll see you next time see you thanks lee